clap. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. How are you? I'm going to do my best to preach from... No, I'll bring this up. I'm so glad that we got to um, celebrate a little bit about Mel. Um, some of you, I was sitting there with Robin, and I said, do you guys know Mel? And I said, we never met him. Um, when you get to heaven, he'll be the guy that will tap you on the shoulder and then hug you. Uh, that's one of, the, one of the things that was always... Mel, when COVID initially turned up, I don't think he got the memo about no hugging. Um, it just was within who he was. And I know that for some of you here today, you'd be thinking, well, who is this man? Um, for me, he was, uh, he was actually the guy that actually got me into youth directing. He was, at the time, he was the union youth director uh, for the Trans Australian Conference, Division Union, and uh, I was just a, an intern, uh, just out of Avenal, I guess, starting to ply my trade as a pastor, and Mel got alongside me, and he said, mate, um, and, and he never ever saw it as just one thing, God, through Mel... He, he actually allowed people to believe they could do more. More in, in themselves and more for God. And that's exactly who he is. So if you don't know him, that would be the best way I would have to explain who he is. We're terribly sorry, um, especially in our chaplaincy land and our teachers, because he was way, way more uh, than an employee of the Adventist church. Uh, he was a friend, uh, most intimate. My last, uh, we always think about our last things. The last thing he ever did was he came and hugged me from behind. And uh, he was such a big man, it was hard to know sometimes whether to go, eh, or to go, thanks. <laughs> um, and his big smile and his, and his laugh of just sort of like, Sean, good to see you, and then just cruised off to do whatever, hug everyone else in the building. Um, yeah, that was him. Thank you for coming today. I know that uh, a lot of our young people are away. And I'm so glad, I'm not glad they're away, but I'm glad they're at the youth rally um, because it's such an important thing. I want to share a couple of exciting things happening in our church community real soon, uh, like tomorrow. Um, some of you know Pastor Christos, our youth director, and Raquel, they come here to refresh. Uh, tomorrow uh, is D-Day for her. Tomorrow they'll be having their second child. I said, how do you know that, Christos? And he said, the doctor said that's the day. <laughs> so, so apparently tomorrow they're going to have, uh, I think it's a little boy. Um, they've told everyone it's a boy, so I can let you know, I think it's a little boy. So, so that's exciting. But uh, before we begin, I want, to, I want to pray with you, and then I want to just share a little illustration. That was a really good one about the Coke bottles. Um, and then I just want us to open your Bibles or grab your phones and spend some time in God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you uh, we can be here today. Uh, we can be here to learn about you. We can be here to fellowship, just enjoy being in community together. Uh, Lord, be their kids right now as they're learning about you in their, in their divisions. And we thank you for their leaders, teachers in there, and bless us now. Amen. You know, when we, um, Cara and I, first met, um, I've had a little dry spell of doing weddings uh, within the church. I seem to get all of Cara's friends from all of the hospitals. I've done heaps of uh, non-churchy sort of weddings, but you know, in the last little while, I've I've got three coming up, and uh, and it made me think about um, this whole concept of the gifts that God gives us. 
I remember when Cara and I first got married, we wanted to, uh, we'd both been through divorce, uh, which brings a whole heap of pain and it also brings a whole heap of dysfunction um, to a normal family. Like, you really have to work at it. And Cara and I got together and um, after you, you know, you've, you've paid this, paid that and all this sort of stuff, you pull your pennies together and you go, right, uh, we don't want to rent, we want to buy a little house and, and our kids were quite young. And we decided not to have kids together because we had three that were under the age of six. And our focus was to zone in on the three that are under six. Um, and we've done a six out of ten job of that. <laughs> I don't know if you can ever do a ten out of ten. We've done our best. And, um, and love our kids to death. And we, were, we, we wanted to get a home. We were happy. And to be honest with you, we were happy living in a caravan. Really didn't matter as long as we were together. Um, didn't matter at all. And uh, we looked around and we figured out what we could afford on the Gold Coast. And, but we knew our kids were super duper active. Um, Cara and I both have uh, ants in our pants, so we can't sit still either. And we were like, no, we'll get a three or four bedroom unit. Maybe three is probably all we can afford. But we'll live somewhere where there's bike tracks and there's fields and all that sort of stuff. And that's good lifestyle choices for our kids. Like, Let's do it. And we received two incredible gifts from Kara's mum and Kara's dad. Now, they're not together. And Kara's mum, she's a little bit more financial, and she said, we want to give you a gift to help you get into your house. Well, that was enough for us to move from a unit to a house in a deposit. We'll never forget that, because that's our goal for our kids one day too. We, We want to be able to share that incredible gift that was given to us, pay it forward. Um, but then Kara's dad, he's a single fella, um, we know him as granddad, uh, but he's obviously not my granddad, but he, he would have given probably the equivalent amount of money, but in his time. And today, I want to actually reflect on two different aspects. The first aspect is this, our God has given us the most incredible, renewed bit to start with. And the second thing is, what do we do with that renewed, incredible gift that God gives us? And one of my favourite movies from like 14,000 years ago was a movie called Pay It Forward. And, it was, and it's a concept where God or somebody does something nice for you. And instead of just going, oh, thanks, and selfishly just taking it inside, you go and do something with it. Today, I want to tell you in the second part of my sermon, I want, to actually, I want to actually demonstrate in Scripture that that concept is still true for us today. Renewed in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus coming to this earth as the Messiah, the promised Messiah, without Jesus actually coming and living with men, like a man, Without Jesus coming and going through the excruciation of dying on a cross for you and me, without Jesus actually being resurrected from the tomb, without Jesus then spending some time on earth and then descending to heaven, without our Jesus, the scriptures tell us, without him standing at the right hand of God where there is judgment that takes place, is this person who is a sinner, are they good enough to enter the kingdom of God? without Jesus standing there and saying, my blood is sufficient for them, is the concept of renewed in Jesus Christ. 
Friends, if we call ourselves Christians, if we actually like the concept of Christianity, if we actually believe in Jesus as a real person who walked this earth, if we believe that what he did was so incredibly powerful, loving, caring, full of grace, so many awesome concepts, when we believe that stuff, we must believe that we too can be renewed in Jesus. That our lives are not just what you can do for 70 or 80 years on planet Earth. Our lives are so, so much bigger and we have an incredible opportunity to impact our world in much larger ways. New life in Christ is an exciting life and a soul-refreshing experience, which cannot be ignored. We as human beings spend so much time looking for why this incredible gift, this renewed life in Jesus. I spent some time on the phone this week with a mate. He's my age, um, did church. We grew up with church together. We've been leaders together in the church. And we were just reflecting on Mel for about 30 seconds. And then his entire conversation changed with me because he has been through a period of hurt. And all he can do, instead of understanding of this incredible renewal in Jesus, is zone in on the negative stuff that happens within any organisation, church, school, etc. And I was thinking to myself, I got off the phone after 10 minutes and it was a heavy conversation. And all I wanted to do was talk about our mate who just passed away And all I heard was this dumping of stuff. And I thought, this guy has not been renewed in Jesus. And he's one of my best mates. When we're renewed in Jesus, it's living by the grace of God and walking in the path of faith. It's not a life of fantasy, but it's a life of reality. The dramatic effects of being in Christ are far beyond the deceitful works of a self-righteous man. Its vividness cannot be captured or expressed by the world's best artists. Neither can it be spoken by great orators of our time. Its sweetness and grace cannot be compared with sweet music played by the best violin virtuoso of all times. Truly, it's not from man, but an amazing miracle from God. When I first read that statement, I had like little things happen in the back of my neck. I was like hairs were standing up. New life in Christ produces unspeakable joy that stays with us for eternity. Renewed life in Christ is a life-changing relationship with our Saviour. It creates new desires in our hearts, believers. It's a wonderful freedom guided by the gospel rule of life. There are three Bible passages that I'd just like us to look at. They're all found in Colossians. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, go to Colossians chapter 3. And these verses are all found in Colossians chapter 3. When we are renewed in Christ, there are three things that I know of that I'm discovering that actually happened for me as a human being, a renewed follower of Christ. And number one is Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. And the Bible tells us, Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not about the things of this earth. Friends, when we're renewed in Christ, when we're renewed in Christ, our focus changes. Our focus changes. 
Now, I loved uh, what Kim put up there this morning, the little video of Mel speaking, because I listened to that a few times. Number one, because I was just feeling a little bit sad. You know what he was preaching about? When, you, when you're listening to his, he was speaking about this. We are renewed in Christ. We are new creations when Jesus comes in. The first thing that happens when we become a new creation is we have new desires. Not just goals. We have new desires. The second thing happens is in Colossians 3 verse 10. So just jump down a few verses. Colossians 3 verse 10. And we actually have a new image because it says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and you become like him. Having a good image is a great advantage. Much more if we use it for the kingdom of heaven. This is when Jesus, you read through the gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is always reflecting on this concept where he said, the kingdom of heaven, and this was a very Jewish concept, like the Gentile people, John never speaks about the kingdom of heaven, but you read Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is saying, hey, when you're renewed by having me in your life, the kingdom of heaven is already at hand. The image that you see of the kingdom of heaven is found in Jesus. And the third point about this being renewed in Jesus is found in, again in Colossians 3 and verse 17. Look at me, I'm skipping verses. Here we go, 3 verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Jesus, giving thanks to through him, to God the Father. This purpose that we have been given, this incredible purpose is to glorify our Lord. God created us not for our own glory because in our society today, it's quite often or too often, we actually zone in on the fact of what does that do for me? Can that help my bank account grow? Can it help my career grow? Can it actually make me look better? What lens are we looking through? The purpose that our God gives us, when whatever you say, do it as a representative. You're on the team of Jesus. Giving thanks to him through our God, the Father. To glorify God. To honour him with your life. So this is what Jesus has given us. This is the bit that my mate on the telephone did not get. He's hurt, and I actually understand. When we hurt, we hurt. Um, and there's a concept they use in counselling that hurt people hurt. Because when you're hurting, you're in pain, and we pass it on to the people around us. When we accept the renewal of Jesus... We actually accept the incredible, incredible benefits that it changes our life, our image and purpose. And all of a sudden, we see through a different lens. A different lens. So that movie, Pay It Forward, what do we do with it? Because too often as Christians, we can be fat in our relationship with Jesus. We can take it all in, all the nutrients and all the goodness and all the greatness and all of the bonuses 
of being, an, of being a follower of Jesus. But if we stay fat, we just get sick. Because we need to pay it forward. Now today, so many ways we can pay it forward. There's heaps. In fact, I had three of them and I cut it back to one because I didn't want you to be here till like one o'clock. I was like, no, <laughs> no, Carol will be upset with me and I can't deal with it. Um, so I thought, no, we'll do one and you'd be upset with me too. So I want to actually look at what we serve as a master is often money. And I want to just look at that simple concept of money. It, it's been my master and sometimes it still is my master. If we think of a concept that our God gives you 100% of everything you've got. So I just want you to go with me for that for a moment. I believe, just me, you guys can believe, you know, think about it yourself. I believe that everything that I receive is from God. Every good gift comes from God. It's scriptural. Now, if I receive 100% of everything that I receive financially from God... God requires me in my paycheck to pay it forward 10%. So when I received my 100% from God, he gave it to me. A lot of us can go, oh, it's because I've got a good career, it's because I did study, it's because I did this, I've had some, you know, some risks and I've done well. I believe that everything that we have comes from God. That's my concept. And he only wants us to pay forward 10%. Now, people often get caught up with churches because they're always asking about money. I'm not even interested in the money side of it. I'm interested in the fact of the concept that God is a God of giving. He's given us renewed life. You can't pay for that. But in our life, he actually teaches us to be good stewards of our time and our money. There's some incredible stewards of time in this church. There's a whole heap of mums and dads that are out there doing the kids' divisions right now and probably would rather be sitting in here. Maybe they wouldn't rather, but, you know, they're there because they're serving. And there are some incredible, incredible teachers at this school who don't just do, and teachers at any school, to be honest, they don't just do their normal hours. And there's incredible people like you guys here where you look across the yard and you see someone who needs a hand as your neighbour and you go and steward your time to help those people. That's what God does when we have a new image, a new purpose. I was reading a magazine during the week about healthiness of giving. I think Jesus understood this. And this is why it's a very, very Old Testament concept. I better put my glasses on because I cannot read. Number one, giving makes you feel happy. Your brain's pleasure circuits are stimulated by acts of charity and release good feelings, chemicals such as endorphins, which give you an, a sense of euphoria, and oxytocin, which promotes tranquility and inner peace. Number two, giving is good for your health. Stress is the catalyst for many known health issues. Giving has been proven to decrease blood pressure and reduce stress. This reduction promotes longer life and better health. Number three, Giving promotes social connections. Studies show that when you give to others, your generosity is often continued down the line, paying it forward to someone else or return to you. This strengthens our ties to each other. And number four, the last one, giving is contagious. When one person gives, it inspires others to do the same. 
If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we, we pick up this challenge in Scripture. And we're going to look at two quick um, stories that Jesus shares in Scripture, and, and then I promise we'll be done. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 25. And this is very similar to our Coke bottle illustration. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Steal, uh, sorry, store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have, you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or whether you have clothes to wear. Isn't life more important than food and your body more important than clothing? This is an incredible challenge that Jesus actually puts in Scripture for you and I. Because we are living in a society where things are getting more expensive, where we're having to relook at how we do our budgets and how we can afford some of the things that we could afford maybe a few months ago. It challenges us to understand what we are facing. We cannot have two treasures. One in heaven and one on earth. For we read in verse 21, where your treasure is there. Whenever we put our earnings into something, we develop a vested interest in that thing. Ideally, our treasures will go where our heart is. So if our heart is changed, it will change where we put our treasures. A heart will be also. I want to share an illustration from 1595. I think a few of us were around during that period. Uh, so, so Walter Raleigh discovered a 114-acre lake on the island of Trinidad. The remarkable feature of this lake was the amount of asphalt it contained. Some believe that it held more than 6 million tonnes of asphalt. Over the years, the lake gave its rich resource to pave many roads and produce other things that need asphalt. More than 500 years, well, nearly 500 years later, the lake continues to give and live. And the level of the lake has always stayed the same. Can we compare ourselves to the lake? Do we give in joy? Do we give without reservation or fear? When we find ourselves gripped with temptation to hoard all for ourselves, let us remember this lake that gave and gave and gave. Our God has given us 100%. The requirement that he puts on us is to pay forward 10% money. But also, our God has given us way more than just money. He's given us incredible opportunities to be stewards of the time and talents that God has also given us. Not to store up those treasures for ourselves on this earth, but to store up our treasures 
in heaven. Our treasures aren't how many, how many beautiful rocks are going to be on your crown in heaven. Our treasures are the people that we influence on planet earth while we're here. They're the real treasures. We demonstrate our motivation by where we put our focus. This is so evident and so clear, and it's a story that's been probably preached as many times as any story in Scripture, and it's found in Mark chapter 10. So jump with me to Mark chapter 10. This is a fantastic story. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 17 to 27. It's a quick story, but it's also a story that has this same concept running through it of where is your motivation? Because if our renewed life in Jesus means so much, our motivation should be the same as the motivation that Jesus demonstrated while he was on planet Earth. This is Jesus speaking. And as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal, inherit eternal life? That is one of the best questions anyone could ever ask. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. He's nodding. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat on anyone, honour your mother and father. And he kept nodding. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing. You haven't done, he told him. Go, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. In the last verse 27, Jesus looked at them intently and he said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. Not with God. Everything is possible with God. Have any of you ever read any of the books by Tim Keller? Um... Maybe I'm it. <laughs> I, I, give you a, I give you a challenge. Tim Keller is a Christian writer, and he writes some of the most incredible insights into the stories of the New Testament. Um, when I was pastoring at Springwood, we did a whole 10-week series on a book that he wrote called The Prodigal God, and it was talking about the, three son, the two sons and the dad, and it was the most incredible book. He also wrote an incredible book called Jesus the King, And in that book, Jesus the King, Tim Keller actually expands upon, you know, from his research and from his understanding of the New Testament, he he wrote this incredible book called Jesus the King. And he describes a rich young ruler. Of course, he was missing something because anyone who counts on what they're doing to get eternal life will find that in spite of everything they've accomplished, there's emptiness and insecurity, a doubt. Something is bound to be missing. How can anyone ever know whether they're good enough? The rich young ruler thought he had it all. He had worked hard, had lots of money. He kept all God's laws faithfully. In essence, he was, what he's doing is trying to earn his way to heaven. 
Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler, you have put your faith and trust in your wealth and accomplishments, but the effort is actually pushing you from God. You can't earn your way to heaven. His identity, and this is the thing, where we put our identity is the significant aspect if you want to be renewed in Jesus. If our identity is caught up in anything else except wanting to be a sold-out Christian, follower of Jesus, then we're going to have the same problems the rich young ruler had. From the outside, most parents would be stoked to have this young guy as their son. He's followed the rules since he was young. The rules of God, the rules of the family. He's well-educated. He's been in study. He's got a great job. He's saved money. He's got money in the bank. The community actually respects him. The community see him as a golden child. And yet in this story, the one thing he lacked was where his identity belonged. Friends, if the devil, Satan, has one incredible trick, it's for us as human beings to find our identity in anything else except in Jesus. It is a huge trap, not just for me, it's for all of us. Because if your identity is found in anything else except Jesus, then you're going to have the same Jesus challenging you as what Jesus challenged this young man. Because he knew this young man. He knew who he was. He would spend time with his father every morning, Jesus, and on that day, I'm sure God the Father had actually put on his heart that today you're going to meet a young man with a great question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. But there is one thing in your identity. This is what Jesus said. There is one thing that you lack. And your identity is found in possessions and money. And in a Western culture which we live in, we can fall into the exact same trap. We can go along to our Christian synagogue, <laughs> our church, and still our identity is not found in Jesus. Friends, this is a trap because our God has given us to be fully renewed in Jesus. Then we too need to understand that our identity can only be found in Jesus. Yeah, sure, we can pay 10% of our income and, and pay that forward, but the reality is this he would have been paying lots of offerings. He would have been doing lots of things we would have considered good. But again, his identity was found in the wrong thing. It was not found in Jesus. The word that is actually used in the Greek is lepeo. It actually is the same word that Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane where he grieved for the fact of what he would go through soon with his crucifixion. And he uses that same word, lepeo, when he's thinking of this rich young man because it didn't just go, well, this young guy just hasn't got it worked out. Maybe he can go back and work a bit harder. He can learn some more lessons. But here, the lepeo is used by Jesus because Jesus is grieving the fact that this young man would be an incredible asset to the Christian faith. An incredible asset, but he grieved the fact there was still something missing. And again, I reinforce the fact we need to make sure that our identity 
is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus offers us an invitation to a better life. Life the way it was intended to be lived. Life free from things that weigh us down. An invitation is free and the process that we go through sometimes can be painful. But friends, it's worth it. Pastor Mel, who passed away, is... I'm going to miss the guy just because he was one of my mentors. But I wasn't the only one that was mentored by him. It was just heaps. I was, I was listening when, uh, Helen, when you were singing that last song, I could see tears, and I was thinking, don't cry, then you make me cry. He responded to God's gift. He understood that what he was given from Jesus is more immeasurable than what we could ever earn on planet Earth. Pay it forward. One of the disciplines that we can follow is in the area of giving. Absolutely. We can pay that forward and we can pay forward uh, extra money here and there in time. That's, that's an incredible way for us to learn the discipline of paying it forward. But don't be like the rich young man where our identity is found in the wrong thing. Today, my challenge to myself and to yourself is our identity has to be found in Jesus. Jesus.